Lord, I, I just thank you for the opportunity to be able to give back to you. I pray that you bless this offering, Lord. Bless the gift and the giver. Multiply and meet the needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening, Lake Church. Good to see everybody tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just stand and just uh, give the Lord praise this, this evening. and Just kind of shake off the busyness of the day and just kind of redirect our focus to the Lord right now. Father, we just give you praise. We thank you for your goodness. Oh, you're so worthy, Father God, of all glory and honor. We just come together tonight, Father, to, to just receive from you tonight. Father God, we open our hearts to hear what you would say to us tonight. We have ears to hear. We just thank you, Father God, for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the teacher. He's present tonight to bring revelation knowledge to us, open the eyes of our hearts that we might see, Father God, the things that we need to see so that we can advance, Father God, that we can advance into uh, performing your will, Father God, and accomplishing the things that you have uh, directed for the church to accomplish from before the foundation of the world. We thank you, Father. You're so good. Oh, we just want to yield to you tonight, Father God. And even though I have a message, if there's something different, another direction that you want to go, we, we, are, we are desiring your will tonight, Father. Hallelujah. We give you praise. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give you glory, Father God. <laughs> oh, we thank you, Father God. It's our desire that we create an atmosphere for you to manifest yourself in tonight, Father God. Hallelujah. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus, our King. We thank you that he offered himself in our place to redeem us back to you, Father God. We give you glory to redeem our innocence in your sight, to justify us and make us the righteousness of God in him. We thank you, Father God, that he made us holy to receive your spirit. And we thank you that these bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, Father God. May we grow in our awareness of that, Father. May we grow in our awareness of the greater one being on the inside of us, Father God. May we realize that we're never in a deficit. We're never at a disadvantage, Father God, because the greater one lives on the inside of us, Father. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that you redeemed our inheritance to us, Father. <laughs> that we don't have to wait. We can partake now, Father God, of all the things that Jesus provided. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Hallelujah. We praise you tonight. We praise you tonight. We give you glory. Hallelujah. We give you glory. Oh, we thank you for your presence tonight. We recognize you here tonight, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We recognize your presence in this place, our King. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We honor you. 
Hallelujah. Great are you, Lord, and greatly to be praised. Worthy of glory and honor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I just sense the Spirit of the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And the Lord wants to show himself mighty tonight. He wants to show his goodness to you in a, in a way you've never seen it before, I believe. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, you could be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Amen. Hallelujah. Well, on, uh, in this month, we began this series on the king and his kingdom. And if you weren't here on Sunday, I shared that we're trying to, we're kind of tying the Sunday and Wednesday messages together in that Sundays are really about kind of rediscovering the kingdom of heaven, uh, what that means. And Sunday I talked about, you know, recognizing who Jesus is, that Jesus isn't the, the leader of a religion, but he's a king. You know, we talked all about that on Sunday. And that you relate to people based on who you understand them to be. And so it's imperative that we know Jesus as king, not just savior, which he is, praise God, but that we know him as he truly is. See, as king. And that all of, you know, because if you ask people who, who Jesus is, they'd say, well, he's my savior, he's my healer, he's my deliverer, he's my redeemer, and all those things are true. But those are benefits of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is our king. He's the source of those things. And he made a way for us to have citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. And uh, when he talked about his message was always proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. And when he talked about that, he wasn't talking about heaven in the sense of when we die or when the rapture takes place, we go to heaven. Jesus was predominantly speaking about the uh, heavenly kingdom on earth. Anytime he was, you know, because his first words of ministry were repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If something's at hand, that means it's within your reach. You can access it. And Jesus came proclaiming that heaven, the kingdom of heaven was accessible now to anyone who would by faith take hold of it through him. And so that was his message basically proclaiming the kingdom of heaven, and then his ministry was demonstrating the reality of it. So when he cast out devils, when he healed the sick, when he raised the dead, he was proving the reality that the kingdom of heaven was here on earth and impacting and changing things in the physical realm. But on Wednesday nights, we wanted to talk about kingdom culture. 
which really is talking about the lifestyle of the citizen of heaven. Uh, because, you know, God's intent originally, you know, if you've ever thought, well, why did God create earth? Why did he create mankind? You know, he was extending his uh, unseen spiritual kingdom into the seen physical realm. And he created mankind as stewards of that. That's why in Genesis 1, verse 26, it says, Let us make man in our image and uh, in our likeness and let them have dominion over the earth. So God invested authority in mankind. He gave man dominion over the earth. That means he gave them rulership over the earth. And so, you know, religious teaching makes us think that we lost heaven, but we really didn't lose heaven. Adam never had heaven. Adam never had the promise of heaven. In fact, Jesus never really preached going to heaven. That wasn't his message. What Adam lost was he lost his ability to manifest the kingdom of heaven on the earth. And that's why Jesus had to come as a man. So what Adam lost, Jesus could redeem to us, which is the ability to exercise authority and manifest the kingdom of heaven on earth. I don't know about you, but man, that, that was a huge revelation to me when I first understood that. Because I grew up in church, and most of the preaching I heard was just all about trying to get to heaven. And Jesus didn't really come to take us to heaven. If you understand the uh, eschatology, then what you know is that we're going to be in heaven for a very short time. Yes. <laughs> and then we're coming back, and heaven and earth will be united uh, in Revelation chapter 21. And so, you know, our focus should be on manifesting heaven on earth. Continuing what Jesus both began to teach and to do, which was to proclaim the kingdom of heaven and to manifest heaven through miracles, signs, and wonders, through healing the sick, casting out devils, all those things that Jesus said that we were supposed to do. And so in talking about kingdom culture tonight, I was thinking about the fact that in the gospels, you see the kingdom of heaven talked about a lot, but in the epistles, you know, the letters in the new Testament, you don't see it as much. And the reason why is because the letters in the new Testament are written to people who are already citizens of heaven. So the epistles are really about um, revelation knowledge because the kingdom of heaven is unseen. You know, Luke chapter 17, when the Pharisees were asking Jesus about when the kingdom would come, he said, it doesn't come with observation. Don't say here it is or there it is. He said, for the kingdom of heaven is within you. And so the kingdom of heaven is within the kingdom citizen and God's desire is that we manifest that in the earth and make it known. Which was what God wanted to begin with when he created Adam as he created him in his image and his likeness. And gave him the authority to manifest heaven on earth. And his multiplication of sons was that he would teach them and train them to manifest heaven. And that they would go out and they would fill the whole earth. And see... 
Eden, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Eden was only a prototype. It was what he wanted the whole earth to look like. See, God's intent was not that he rule and reign over earth directly, but indirectly through sons made in his image and his likeness. Think about that, man. That means your life has great significance and great purpose beyond what you've probably ever understood or thought it to be. Man. You know, when God wanted to uh, increase the knowledge of his glory, when he wanted to increase the knowledge and superiority of his nature and his character, he created another realm. Because his glory and his nature and character were fully revealed in the, in the uh, unseen realm. And so he just created another realm. He created the physical realm. And here's the awesome thing. And then he created you. <laughs> the physical realm was just the place for him to put you. And he created you to be a conduit and a channel through which he could manifest his kingdom. The revelation of his glory. The revelation of his nature. The revelation of his character. That's why Jesus saved us. Come on. Hallelujah. So in the New Testament, you know, it really is written to people who are already citizens. And uh, it's assumed that that's true. You know, everything they're saying in those letters are, you are the body of Christ. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You know, you who were dead in your trespasses, he made a lot. He's telling you things that are true about you as a believer and someone who's already a citizen of the heavenly kingdom, trying to open our eyes and give us a, a revelation of who we truly are now in the unseen part of us so we can begin to live by faith out of that and we can begin to manifest the nature and the character and the power and the glory of the kingdom of heaven on the earth so we can make known to others who have not seen, who have not understood, and who have not known who God is yet. That's what Jesus did. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He came to, to reintroduce the Father to the world because we had wrong ideas about who he was. The enemy had come in and, and, uh, and you know, marred our image of God. We didn't see him correctly. That's why a lot of us you know, stayed away from God for a while. Because we didn't see him right. We interpreted the bad parts of our life and the tragedies of our life as coming from God rather than coming from the enemy. Oh, man. Yeah, I remember a lot of years, I remember thinking, you know, man, God must really have it in for me. <laughs> but I didn't understand that it was actually the devil and it was me yielding to him that was causing a lot of the tragedies and, and the things in my life. So when Paul is talking in the New Testament, he's talking to people trying to reveal to us um, the realities of the new creation, the person who's a citizen of heaven. He's trying to reveal to us the truth that we are spiritually one with Jesus, that we're united to him, and exhorting us to live out of that reality by faith, so that we are manifesting the kingdom of God in our lifestyle. Yeah. 
And that's what culture is. It's lifestyle. And that's what I want to talk about is that, you know, God desires us to be a distinct nation of people on the earth. In Peter, he calls us, you know, a chosen generation, a holy nation. The word holy, you know, we have a lot of ideas about what that means. And there is an aspect of purity to holiness. But what it really means is distinction. When he says that we're to be holy, he means he wants us to be seen as distinct a distinct people in the earth among the people of the world, that we're different. Why, if, we're, if, they're spirit, if people who are not believers are spiritually dead and we're spiritually alive, there ought to be a difference. <laughs> you know, I mean, if we're citizens of the heavenly kingdom, there ought to be a difference in our life that causes us to be seen as distinct and different from all of the people that are around us in the world. Holiness is a manifestation of who we are because of who we're united to. It's not some style of haircut or clothing. It's the nature and the character of the king being made manifest in his people. It's the kingdom of God being made a reality where people, it's observable to people. Okay? All right, so let's look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Hallelujah. And in verse 20. It says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word Christ means anointed one. And uh, according to what we were talking about Sunday, it means he was anointed as king. You know, I talked about that he's not a president, he's not like a president, like a president that could be voted in or out. Jesus was appointed and anointed by God as king. So nobody can remove him from that office. It's one that he holds eternally. In fact, you know, Psalm chapter 2 will tell you that, verse 6. Um, he is the king, not only of heaven, but he's the king over the kings on the earth as well. And the ultimate end to that revelation is that he will rule and reign on the earth over all of the nations. You know what? There's a lot of people on this earth who have tried to rule over the world. And there still are. You know, one of the biggest things that Satan's trying to do in the world today is bring about a global union, you know, globalization, which is to cause everyone to conform to the culture of the kingdom of darkness is really what that's all about. And they want to rule over the whole world so they can legislate one law for everybody and they can do away with Christianity and they can believe that they can have what they want, which is one world government. Um, but they're going to fail because the king of heaven is going to come back <laughs> and he's going to stop their plans, you know. And that's what he says in the next verse. He says, um, uh, who will 
transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. You know, that glorified body that we're going to get is so that we can be enabled to live forever and participate in the administration of earth in the kingdom of heaven. Man. Okay. So let's look at this same verse in the Passion Translation. In the Passion Translation, he says it like this. We are a colony of heaven on earth as we cling tightly to our life giver, the Lord Jesus Christ. So that word colony is really interesting. It really is a reveals a lot about God's intent for us as a people and for earth. You know, a colony is a territory that is under the rule and reign of a country, but it's not a part it's not on that same territory. But the intent is that it would be conformed to the home country, that it would be exactly like it. And in fact, you know, one of the one of the ministers who revealed this whole revelation is so good as Miles Monroe. And if you don't know who Dr. Miles Monroe is, he's in heaven now. But, you know, he lived in the Bahamas, which was a colony of Great Britain. And he talked about how growing up in the Bahamas really helped him to understand what God's intent was for earth. Because even though the Bahamas and Great Britain are very far apart, the influence of Great Britain on the Bahamas caused their whole culture to be a representation of the United Kingdom. And that's the whole idea of colonization is that a king would extend his influence to another territory and the glory of his kingdom would gain new ground in another place and his glory would be made known. That's what God wants for earth. We are a colony of heaven. Our lives are supposed to be transformed to be a representation of the heavenly kingdom even here on earth. You know, if you think about this, if you look at the, the Caribbean islands, you know, um, there are many of them and there are, yeah, man, I'd like to get a closer look, honestly. <laughs> I've been to one of them. <laughs> it's glorious. It definitely is. <laughs> but what's interesting is if you look at those islands, what's crazy, they're all in a little area of the globe close together. But I was kind of looking at some of those. You know, let me ask you this. Do you know what language they speak in Cuba? Anybody have a guess? Spanish? Okay. So they speak Spanish there. You know, in the Bahamas, they speak English. Why? Because the country that claimed that island as a colony of theirs had to come under the language of that, co of that country so that the culture could be communicated to those people so they would manifest the glory of the country that they were a colony of. Does that make sense? Here's another really good, a really good example of that is if you look at the island that the Dominican Republic's on, there's an island, it's right, in the mid, cut right down the center. You have the DR on one side, you have Haiti on the other. In the DR, what do they speak, Bob? They speak Spanish. In Haiti, do you know what they speak? French. Why? Because those are, 
Those are uh, colonies of different countries. And their intent was that they speak the same language so that they're able to communicate the culture and that place be um, a representation of the home country. Here's the, here's the idea. So you could experience the home country without going there. You know, even in America, if you go to big cities, they have Chinatown. They have these different cultural parts of the city. You can go and experience the culture of China without going to China. That's what God desires out of the people of God who are citizens of heaven is that our lifestyle and our culture would become so influenced by heaven that we would be so transformed that people could experience heaven by coming here and they don't even have to go there. Mm. That's the whole idea of colonization is that the glory of the home country would be so manifested there that people could come and experience what it's like there without having to go. Oh, man. We're a colony of heaven on earth. That's the thing we got to get, man. We got to understand that heaven isn't about going, leaving here to go. You know, in fact, when Jesus was praying in John 17, he said, Father, I don't desire that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Oh, man, that's, that's what God, you know, it wasn't his desire to take us out. It was that he would get in through us and that he would manifest his glory. Man, that's what God wants to do in the church is he wants to manifest his glory and to such a degree that people are able to come here and experience heaven on earth. To experience the supernatural power of God manifest in this realm. Where when the glory of God is manifested, sickness and disease has no place, has no place to, to sit down and stay. Mm. Where the demonic realm isn't comfortable to just sit down and just stay. Mm. That's what God desires is that we take on such a revelation of the kingdom of heaven that we are transformed and that we manifest the lifestyle of someone who's living in heaven. Why? Because where's the kingdom? It's within you. Man. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13. One of the things I talked about Sunday is that Jesus' teaching of the parables were revelations of the kingdom of heaven. They were mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. In fact, he said that. He said, you know, the people outside, it's not given to them, but to you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And mysteries in the Bible are things that weren't previously understood. So mysteries aren't things we can't understand. And so some, it's not like, oh, it's a mystery. You know, we can't understand that. 
No, it's things that weren't previously revealed in the dispensation before, but now have been made known to us. And that's what the parables were, is they were, Jesus was teaching parables to really sift out who was just hanging around and who was actually interested. Because the mysteries are only made available to those who have interest, who are going to be followers of Jesus, okay? So in uh, Matthew chapter 13, it says in verse 33, Another parable he spoke to them, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until all was leavened. The point of this parable is to say that the kingdom of heaven is intended to be like yeast or to be like leaven. That you take a little bit of it and you put it in three measures of dough and it begins to exert influence. It begins to work when it gets in the dough and it begins to release its influence And little by little, it begins to change the dough until every bit of it becomes leavened. Isn't that what God did is he sent his spirit to live on the inside of us. He put the kingdom of heaven in our spirit. He put it on the inside of us. And his intent is not that it just reside there till we go to heaven but that it begin to exert its influence in our soul and in our body until all three, oh, it said three measures. Jesus always revealed the progression of the kingdom of heaven in threes, 30, 60, 100 fold. The blade, the ear, the full corn in the ear. We are body, soul, and spirit, or spirit, soul, and body. The intent is that the kingdom of heaven not just affect us in our spirit, making us new creations, born again, and having a ticket to heaven, but that it begin to exert influence in our soul and begin to affect our outer man in our body to where we begin to manifest on the outside the realities of the kingdom of heaven that are truth on the inside. That's what he was teaching is that the kingdom of heaven, it, it, affect, it should affect our life like leaven affects dough yeah. to where it permeates every part. Oh, man. Every part of our being. You know, because God didn't light our lamp to put it under a bed. That's what Jesus said. No man lights a lamp so, and puts it under a bed where it's hidden. No, he sets it out on a, on a stand where it can give light to everyone. And that's the thing. God lit your lamp. <laughs> because he wants you to let your light shine before men so that they will glorify your father who is in heaven. He's in heaven, but he lit your lamp so it could shine in the earth and that people could see his goodness and they could experience his light, his love, and his life. They could experience his glory, hallelujah, through his people. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
You know, this is uh, the, the parable before that of the mustard seed. You know, it talks about that it's the very smallest of seeds. In fact, if I had one up here, the people back there probably couldn't even see what I was holding. But when it's planted, it becomes a huge tree that is able to give, you know, uh, a place, a home for birds and everything. It just becomes this massive thing. And that's the way the kingdom of heaven is, is when it first comes into our life, it comes into our life in the unseen part, but it has the potential to change every part of our being. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, it reminds me too of Daniel 2. You remember the uh, vision that Daniel had of the great Colossus statue? You remember that? Had the head of gold and then the the silver and the bronze and then the iron and the iron and clay. And that represented Babylon, Medo-Persia. It represented these different kingdoms of man. And at the end of the explanation or the interpretation of the dream, it says that he saw a rock cut out without hands, which is symbolic of Jesus a rock was cut out and it hit the feet of that Colossus and it caused all of those kingdoms. It's really showing the superiority of the kingdom of heaven over all of the kingdoms of men. But here's the cool thing is that it says that rock become a great mountain that filled the entire earth. Oh man, hallelujah. <laughs> It's saying that rock started out small. Jesus came. He demonstrated the kingdom. But then he put the kingdom inside of his body. And it's been growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And it's going to continue to grow until it becomes a great mountain that fills the entire earth. Talking about when Jesus returns. And sets up his kingdom on earth. I'm telling you what. It's the greatest opportunity ever offered in the history of the universe is to be a part of that kingdom. Man. <laughs> Man, I am so glad that I made a decision to turn from the kingdom of darkness and turn to the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And he wants to use us to extend that to other people, you know. We got to get convinced of what we've got a hold of, guys. You know, one of the reasons, you know, uh, I think about it like you go out to eat somewhere and you, you get some food that is really good. You don't have a problem telling somebody about it. Problem is that we've had this religious thinking to where we don't really think it's we don't really think it's as good anyway because we're burdened down by it. Uh oh. We're not convinced of how good the good news really is. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but we have been entangled in religious ideas, and Jesus said that they burden you down. That religion's a bondage. And listen, if you feel like something's bondage to you, you're definitely not going to tell us, hey, you want to try this out, <laughs> you know. 
when I discovered, you know, when I discovered how good the gospel was, man, I have a problem telling somebody about it. And I think we forget just how good it is that we have access to the heavenly kingdom, even right here where we live on the earth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's look at another scripture here. Uh, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5. And let me just say this while you're turning. There are four spheres of life that God wants to manifest the kingdom in through you. First of all, your personal life. So like he wants the kingdom of heaven manifested in our homes, our marriages. In fact, you know, when you look at Genesis 1, uh, 26, it says, uh, let us make them in our image and in our likeness and let them rule. And then he made Adam and Eve, a man and a woman, a married couple, uh, functioning together the way God created marriage to be are a demonstration, a revelation, a manifestation of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Okay, you know, really, let me just say this. Kingdom culture is really uh, coming back into alignment with God's divine design for humanity. That's why it's so under attack in the world is because the enemy wants to obscure the revelation of the kingdom of heaven where it's not made manifest on the earth. That's why groups want to destroy the nuclear model of family, husband, wife, and children. You know, it's all an attack from the kingdom of darkness to obscure people's view of the kingdom of heaven. Because when a husband and a wife are in unity flowing together, the kingdom of heaven is made manifest. Mm. So in our homes and with our kids, you know, um, our homes can be a touchstone of heaven on earth. And the second place is in your professional life. So on your job, you know, wherever God, see, I was talking to somebody this week and they were, we were doing like a discipleship and they were saying, I used to think, well, they were telling me things that were going on at their work. They were getting to minister to people. And in fact, this guy was telling me, he said, man, I went in today and I came up to one of my uh, fellow employees and he started telling me this issue he was having, physical issue. And this guy said, uh, you want me to pray for you? And we've been talking about, you know, pray, you know, healing the sick and stuff. And he said, I've just decided when I get a chance, I'm not going to give myself time to have unbelief or talk myself out of it. So he said, he said, as soon as this guy said, you know, he said, you want me to pray for you? So he said, he, he just prayed for him right there. And he said that later the guy was like, man, I've noticed a change, you know? And, and, uh, I, and uh, anyway, he was all excited about it. And I thought, man, he told me, he said, I used to think, I wish I could work at the church. <laughs> he said, man, I always thought, I don't want to be working out here on, in a secular job. I want to be working at the, I wish I could work at the church like that. 
And I said, you know, there's times I think, I wish I could work out. <laughs> that's very exciting, you know. I mean, but we've missed it if we think that this is the only place we can manifest heaven. The target territory of heaven is the hearts of men. Man, that's where we can get out and we can come up uh, with people that are, you know, far from God and we can proclaim the kingdom to them and then we can offer to demonstrate it to them and see that person, that person's life changed by coming to understand something that they had never understood before. And he was telling me about another incident where he had got to pray with a fellow employee and how that this guy was telling him that his life was just being transformed. Don't limit. That's right. Don't limit. Because God wants to manifest heaven in your personal life and your professional life. And then he also wants to manifest heaven in the church. You know, and that's why unity is so important. Uh, because God's glory is manifested in order. In, it's not in chaos. You know, confusion and every evil work go together. But unity is actually the atmosphere where God's glory is made manifest. So in the church and then in the community. You know, I, I'm, I'm preaching to you about things I've been thinking about. But, you know, I got neighbors all around me. You know, I got to start seeing the opportunities that are out there to manifest the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so those are just four spheres that God wants to manifest the kingdom in. And uh, in Galatians chapter 5, he's talking about not taking the liberty that we've received through Jesus and just using it for ourselves. Okay, and he says, I say then, walk in the spirit, And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So you do not do the things that you wish. You know, one of the things that we have to realize is that as a redeemed person, you know, our spirit is is saved. Our spirit is purified and redeemed. But the soul is in a process And the flesh is unredeemed. And it will be. (laughs) And so you can't cast out the flesh. You have to bring it in subjection to the spirit. So what hinders us from being able to manifest the kingdom is that we have to learn to take dominion over the territory of ourself first. The first territory that we get to begin to learn to exercise dominion over is our own self, (laughs) our own flesh, which is lusting against the spirit. What that means is it desires things that are opposite of the spirit. There's a good thing about it is your spirit, there's a part of you that always wants to do the will of God all the time. God gave us a new heart and a new spirit. He put that, his own spirit within us to give us the desire and the ability to carry out his will. 
We have to take what he gave us and we have to use it in order to exercise dominion over our own self, our own part of us that is in rebellion to God. We have to use our dominion and exercise authority over it so we can bring it into subjection to the king of heaven so that he can manifest his kingdom here on earth through our personal lives. But where we get it mixed up is a lot of people are simply wrestling their flesh, but not walking in the spirit. It says if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And you can fight your flesh all day long, but if you don't begin to walk in the spirit, you're going to be in a losing battle all the time. Because we don't have the ability to bring it under subjection. The spirit within us is the ability to bring our flesh into subjection. So how do, we, um, how do we walk in the spirit? We do it by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Faith in what? Faith in the kingdom. Faith in our new identity that we have in Christ. Faith in the revelation that the greater one lives on the inside of us. Faith in the revelation that God has given us authority to carry out his will, to exercise dominion over the devil. That way when temptation comes, our flesh doesn't get the better of us. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh these are contrary to one another, so you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Um, verse 19. I want to talk about this because this is where we get tripped up. Is uh, the works of the flesh are evident, and he begins to list all of the manifestations. Not all. This is just some of the manifestations of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in past time, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I just wanted to talk about that because I used to struggle with that verse. You know, it says those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And my mind always goes to going to heaven or not going to heaven. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that you can't live in two kingdoms at one time. And if you are operating in the flesh, you're not going to experience the realities of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, man. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me ask you, some of those things that I read, let me just read a few of these off. Um. Outbursts of wrath, jealousy, contention, hatred, selfish ambition. You know, the kingdom of God, Paul says in Romans uh, 14, 17, is righteousness 
It's peace. It's joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, do those things sound peaceful? See, you can't experience both at the same time. What he's saying is that you have got to learn to walk in the Spirit so that you are not manifesting the works of the flesh because you can't experience the kingdom of heaven if your flesh is running rampant and ruling the roost. See, this isn't legalism. It's not us trying to earn because, listen, he calls it an inheritance. And on Sunday, I talked about that. An inheritance isn't something you earn. It's something you receive by birthright. You're born into an inheritance. And we don't get our inheritance when we die. You get your inheritance when the person who left it died. So when Jesus died on the cross, he released the inheritance to the church, the people of God. That's what he says in Colossians. He says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And our inheritance is the kingdom of heaven. And I'm not talking legalism because you don't earn your inheritance by living right, but you can forfeit your inheritance What happens is the devil, you know, if you're already a child of God, he can't change that. But he wants to tempt you and deceive you into living below what you've inherited, to living below what you can live, the higher plane that you can live on, which is the reality of the kingdom of heaven on the earth. And if he can keep you from beginning to manifest the culture, the nature, the character, the lifestyle of the king while you're here on the earth, he can sift away your ability to experience the goodness of the king while you're living here on the earth. My goodness, man, I could just take off running. That's what he's saying. You'll not experience the glory of having King Jesus reigning over your life if you're allowing your flesh to reign. So listen, our pursuit isn't to try and earn some kind of favor with God. It's not to try and uh, produce some level of righteousness. You know, it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, do you not know that whoever you submit yourself as a servant to obey, his slave you are? We have the choice. That's what grace did is it gave us the choice to choose our master. Hallelujah. For years, I was a slave to the kingdom of darkness. I was in bondage to the kingdom of darkness. I was under the authority of darkness. I was led about by the prince of the power of the air, and I had nothing I could do about it. But one day, I heard the revelation of the good news that Jesus died for my sins to reconcile me to the Father. He paid the payment of his blood, and he redeemed me out of the hand of the enemy. 
he caused me to be born of God. He caused me to be born again. He caused me to be translated into the kingdom of the son of his love. And I had the choice by grace to bow my knee to the king, to pledge allegiance to the king and to live under the authority and the rulership and the reign and the dominion of the great king of all of the universe. Hallelujah. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. It's all about manifesting the kingdom of heaven here on the earth. That's why we got to take it serious that we got to learn to walk in the spirit so that the enemy doesn't have, you know, Jesus said the, I don't remember what term he is, but he basically said Satan was coming, but he has nothing in me. Jesus was at a place where when the enemy came, he had nothing in him. And that's what we've got to do is we have to use the dominion spirit, the, ter- the power that God has given to us to take territory in our soul to where when the devil comes, he has nothing in us. <laughs> And we're so convinced of who we are and we're so convinced of what we have that we say, it is written. (laughs) It is written. And he leaves us like he did Jesus. Just like James said, submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Man, I mean, we've already seen here, we are citizens of heaven and citizens have rights. Man, the enemy wants to try and draw us out to where we give up our rights. And that's the way he operates. He, here's the thing, the enemy just can't come. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't come steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Oh my goodness. Get that. He has to find an ability He doesn't have the authority over the believer to just come steal, kill, and destroy. He has to get us to cooperate with our own destruction. He, and the way he does it, I'll say first off is he tries to deceive us in regard to our identity. That's exactly what in the temptations of Christ When he tempted Jesus, the first two temptations had to do with his identity. You know, Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist. And when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And the father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And when the devil came to Jesus, he said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. In other words, he wanted to, make, he wanted to uh, deceive Jesus into believing he had to prove who he was. Based, not just based on what God said. 
I'm telling you, the enemy will come to you first to see if you know who you are. That's what he'll do. He will come to you to try and deceive you into, and, and to see if you know who you are. Because listen, you live out of what you believe about yourself. You live out of your identity. That's what your identity is. It is what you believe about yourself. It's how you see yourself. It's your opinion of yourself. And that's what he comes to try and see. Do you really know who you are? You know, what's interesting is when the devil quoted that to Jesus, he left out one word, beloved. The father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The devil said, if you, be the son, if you are the son of God, he left out beloved. I, I think he was afraid he would remind him. <laughs> that's the way the devil works. He's going to try because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if he can get you to doubt who you are, you live out of what you believe about yourself. That scripture right there says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he pretty straightforward, you know, and it's out of what you believe subconsciously. That's why we have to meditate on the realities of our union with Christ to where we um, have a conscious, a son consciousness. Does that make sense? That we are so aware of who we are in Christ that we live out of that automatically without even thinking about it. You know, because any, all of us can say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We know the scriptures. But do we really embrace them? Do we really believe them? Are we really living out of an awareness that we are one spirit with Christ? Oh, man. I dare say that if we did, we would be living different kind of lives. <laughs> you know, so he came after his identity first, and then he tried to tempt him with the things of the world. Remember, he took him up on the pinnacle of the temple. He showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and their glory. And he said, all of these have been given into my hand. And if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. He tempted. See, so there's identity uh, and then temptation. Because he's got to get you to trade away your inheritance for something less. Just like Esau. Esau traded away his birthright for a bowl of soup. Man. That's all he's got. If you could conquer those two things, you could manifest heaven on earth. He literally, you know, that's what Esau traded away his inheritance, his birthright for a temporary carnal satisfaction. And that's what he does is he tries to offer us something and get us to trade away the true riches that already belong to us. Man, that is awesome. That is awesome. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We just have to learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit you know, the reason that we have the Holy Spirit is so that he can cultivate the culture of the kingdom of heaven in our lives. 
That's what his job is, is to transform us by a spirit, soul, and body into a representation of the kingdom of heaven. Listen, when God, let me close with this. Let me say this. When God created man, he designed us to function a certain way. In other words, he set the parameters of our life. And, um, you know, sin is to live outside of those parameters. In fact, the word sin in Greek is hamartia, and the, word, and the prefix ha, ha, means negative, it means without. And then the other part comes from the word maros, which means form or portion. It means to, it means to be without your portion. It means to live outside of God's divine design for who we are. He created us to live a certain way. And when we live outside of that, we malfunction because we weren't created for it. That's why these things are so destructive to us because we weren't designed to be able to handle those. We weren't designed for it. Let me think of like my car, uh, the specs from the car maker are that I'm supposed to only use gas that has no ethanol in it, which you know, is more expensive than other unleaded gas. And, you know, I, can, I could argue with them and say, well, I want to put ethanol gas in because it's cheaper. You know, but it wouldn't change the fact that if I use that, it's not going to cost, my car won't function to the optimum level that they designed it to function at. If I put something cheaper, if I put something in it that it wasn't intended to run on. Oh, man. You know, and I could argue with Kia all I want. Say, well, I don't want to put that in. And they'll be like, well, you shouldn't have bought this car then. <laughs> you know. We could argue with God all day long, but the, the laws, the principles, the design that he created for us aren't going to change. No. Our lifestyle, living the culture of the kingdom of heaven is about us coming under, submitting to the king, submitting to his kingdom, submitting to his divine design and order that he created for our life. Listen, God is not telling us do this and don't do this because, you know, he's some kind of control freak or something. No, he's a loving father. And he knows our design. He knows our purpose. He knows what we were created for. And he wants us, he wants us to have the best. He wants us to experience the life of God's design. It's really just about aligning ourselves. It's about aligning ourselves with divine order, the way God created things to work. And when we do the blessing, because listen, he's already commanded a blessing on you. He already commanded a blessing upon you. And to the degree that we get in alignment with him, that blessing is just there. 
Man, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just stand. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we just give you praise. We are so thankful for you. So thankful for your word. Oh, we just pray, let your kingdom be made manifest. Let your will be done in our lives, even as your will is done in heaven, Father God. That's what we're crying out for, is for your will to be done in our lives and through our lives, Father God, that we come into alignment, that we come into unity to where your glory is able to be made manifest, that your kingdom is able to be made manifest, and that people are able to come into the presence of your people and experience heaven without going there. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you. Holy Spirit, we yield to you in our lives. We ask you, great teacher, great helper, that you continue to transform us by the renewing of our mind. Help us to see more clearly who we are. Help us to see more clearly your purpose for our life and help us to be able to help us to submit more fully to your leading and your guidance so we can be used. That we can be conduits, Father, channels of your heavenly kingdom on the earth. We thank you for it, Father God. We give you glory. You're so worthy, Father. So worthy of all praise. Hallelujah. We bless you. I thank you, Lord. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that you're faithful. You're faithful. You watch over your word to perform it. I thank you, Father. Your word is forever settled in heaven. <laughs> oh, your word is forever settled in heaven. We can rest on every word that you have ever spoken. Oh, I thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you praise, Lord. We worship you. Hallelujah. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that we are citizens. That we're a colony of heaven on earth. Hallelujah. This place is a touchstone of heaven. This is a place where people come and they encounter you, Father, the true and the living God, that they experience your kingdom, righteousness, health, peace, joy, deliverance, Father God, wholeness. We thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Just want to let you know as we get ready to close that we're going to be up here uh, to minister. We have ministers up here. If you have something that you're struggling with in your life, whether it be sickness, disease, disorder, addiction, any kind of thing that's tormenting or plaguing you, our ministers are going to be up here uh, to agree with you and, and come together and touch heaven with you tonight. The kingdom of heaven, I mean. So that you can be free. God wants to liberate you tonight. Well, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And it was for freedom that Christ has made us free. So I just want to encourage you, don't leave tonight. Come up. There's ministers up here that would love to minister to you. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, maybe you're watching online. 
You know, the Bible just says if you believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Because listen, Jesus is Lord whether we confess him or not. That's the revelation that you confess, you have understood and believed that Jesus is Lord. Amen.